what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Pelizola, Sam Monson. We're live here on a Wednesday morning, breaking down all things NFL football, but particularly the draft here. It's draft season, man. It is. Yeah. So uh, appreciate everybody tuning in with us. Monday, we did a very long mock draft that uh, people, you know, watched. Didn't say, I don't know if they enjoyed it, but they watched it. And then uh, you and Renner did a great job yesterday. Talking offensive tackles, building the perfect offensive tackle prospect. So go check those out if you missed them. But today, we're going to go back and look at where Bryce Young ranks among quarterback prospects over the last five years. Talk a little NFL wide receiver landing spots and maybe finish it up by drafting some animals. Yes, yes. How does that happen so often? Well, so the funny thing is, we were looking through, you know, what we did a year ago from a show point of view, topics, et cetera, et cetera. And coincidentally, um, somebody emailed with that exact same thing. Like this time last year, more or less, we did a whole segment on drafting animals as, you know, where you would play them, et cetera, et cetera. And some guy emailed and had like a whole list of them. So we'll, uh, it felt like the right time to revisit a year later. Yeah, I guess we can... Uh do that i mean do you just get sick of the mock drafts people get sick of the real big boards and all that and they're like let's let's draft animals yeah why not all right well let's get into bryce young and his quarterback ranking we said over the last five years so we're dating this back to 2018 so it's really six years um the draft class of 2018 that was the year with baker mayfield josh allen it is the last five years of draft classes and then comparing them to Bryce Young this year. So we're not included this year's draft class? No, because we've already determined that Bryce Young is number one in this year's draft class so from a prospect point Last of view, five years. according yeah. to us. I got it. So it's comparing him to the previous five years of draft classes. I got it. This was something, again, we've had multiple emails about this as well. All right, so let's, let's go back and just uh, think about who came out in those particular years. Mm-hmm. 2018, Baker Mayfield went number one, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson all went. 2019, we had Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, and Dwayne Haskins all in the first round. Uh, 2020, we had Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, and Justin Herbert. And then 2021 was the year we had Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. So, um, And then, what was last year? Last year was Kenny Pickett in the first round. Yeah. And... You know, the uh, other prospects that were probably ranked as first-rounders by a lot of people, Malik Willis and um, Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter and all them, that was last year. I don't think any of those guys were making it into this discussion here, though. So we're, the question is, right now, Bryce Young, we have him as our QB1. You and I both agree QB1. PFF agrees QB1. Mm-hmm. Where does Bryce Young rank among the last five. Yeah, so I did this according to my takes on these quarterbacks. Now, it turns out that was quite a difficult thing to actually retrofit because there doesn't appear to be any evidence whatsoever on the internet about how I actually ranked the quarterbacks from 2020, 
the Trevor Lawrence, Mac Joe, or the Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, blah blah blah. That list. I know I like them all. I know I had Trevor Lawrence number one. I can't for the life of me remember what what order I settled on. I don't even know. Others. I don't even know if we had a show ranking them. I remember having no. Kurt Warner on, and we were. Kurt came on and said something to the effect of, I got Mac Jones number three. Yeah. And we said, oh, you know, we have him four. You know, and like I buzzed through that show and I couldn't find a sort of definitive top five from me anyway. So I couldn't find it on Twitter. I couldn't find it on the website. I can't find any evidence I, that I ever settled on a top five. And yet I know I did. So it's great. We can, uh, you can change history. Yeah. Um, I also can't quite remember how we ranked Joe Burrow versus Baker Mayfield, but I'm pretty sure we thought Burrow was a tick ahead. So my top five in this group This is, is ours. It's our top five, Sam. I, we didn't, like, first off, we didn't do well, individual on. rankings wait, for wait, a while. Wait, 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 wait. This is mine based off trying to piece together how I rank these quarterbacks at the time. Zach Wilson in the third, top you three. You may then do whatever the hell you want in terms of matching that or, you know, using the consensus board or whatever. But my ranking for these previous five draft classes put together would be Joe Burrow as the best quarterback prospect we've seen come along. Baker Mayfield was number two. Trevor Lawrence, number three. This is where I think Bryce Young fits in. Kyler, number five. And then some order, six to ten, is Tua, uh, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, with the caveat that I can't remember how the hell I ordered those four guys. But six to ten is that group. So I think Bryce Young is better than those guys. And then the debate for me comes in where you put Bryce Young relative to Kyla Murray. Is he a tick ahead or is he a tick behind? But that would be my that would be where I put him in the rankings and how I ranked that group of quarterbacks in the previous five years. Okay, yeah, I could see where I would Yeah, this is tough. Because I don't I don't have like an actual So we don't have an actual grading rubric or anything to answer this one right scientifically i can go to the model or something like Correct. that but there's we no bound simply by what we've already said in the ether yeah which and, is difficult to trace <laughs> yes and 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 then and, and then when you actually like, i i definitely would have said i think at the time that trevor lawrence was a better qb prospect than baker mayfield even though at the time we're looking at just we relied so heavily on the data there we're like of course baker mayfield's the best prospect right. in this draft We've, I think, changed our tune that we're not going to completely rely on data because, first off, it changes, right? You have a guy like Baker Mayfield who didn't pan out, and that does kind of, like, change how you use that information going forward. And when the Josh Allens and Justin Herberts of the world work out and Patrick Mahomes becomes the best quarterback in the league, it just it changes the value of the data, where you put the value, in which parts of the data, and various things like that. So, hey, anyway... Uh, can we put that list back up on the screen really quick here, Tyler? Um, if, you're, if you're listening, so again, Sam's, you, so, you said Joe Burrow, mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence. And a lot of this, by the way, is based off my best recollection of what I said at the time. I am open to anybody finding proof that says otherwise. Like, I may well have had Baker Mayfield ranked as the top prospect well, of those three. I may also have ranked Trevor Lawrence ahead of Baker Mayfield. I can't honestly remember, so this is my attempt at piecing back together where we were in each given year relative to all these quarterback prospects. So if I was if I was trying to be honest in hindsight, I would agree with your top three. I don't know the order necessarily. We could talk right. through what they were at prospects here in a second. Burrow, Mayfield, and Lawrence in some order. If you think the pivot point is Bryce Young might be the next best prospect beyond those three, 
he's competing with Kyla Murray, yep. who I think we, back-to-back years, we said slam dunk, number one overall pick, Kyler Murray, and then Joe Burrow. That's mm-hmm. what we did. I would put Kyler Murray over Bryce Young as a prospect. So at the very least, I'm putting Bryce Young at five at best and then have to think about do I would I really have said Bryce Young is better than Tua or Zach Wilson? So, I mean, I've already said that he's better than Tua and Mac Jones. Like, he's the best of those Alabama quarterbacks to come along in the last few years. So the only question then is how the hell I ranked Jones and Tua versus Wilson, Fields, and Lance. Like, it's possible, I guess, that I ranked all three of those guys ahead of both Tua and Mac Jones relative, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just, for the sake of ease, I'm throwing those all into a bucket and saying I can't remember how I ranked them, and therefore the question is him relative to Kyler versus relative to the other guys. All right, so let's let's go back and define those top th- the, the top three that we say Bryce Young is not in this bucket, right? Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence. Mayfield comes out in 2018. We've got about four or five years of college data. He broke all of it, right? Our highest graded back-to-back seasons in 2016 and 17, three straight years of 90-plus grades. We pounded the table for Baker Mayfield to be the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Browns agreed, picked him number one overall, and then it's been kind of a roller coaster since, right? There were, there were times where they looked really smart in 2018, right off the bat, looked really smart. 2020, they go win a playoff game for the first time in the you know the last hundred years, and then you know roller coaster ride for Baker Mayfield. That's what he was as a prospect. Joe Burrow broke out in 2020. He went from a pretty good college starter to one of the best college seasons we've ever seen. Right, 15 and 0 at LSU. Never, literally, never had a bad game. Was throwing to some dudes, obviously with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall. But Burrow's accuracy outside the numbers, down the field, it was like, man, this dude, number one overall pick. And his individual season at the time was the best we've seen. And we said, in, I know we at least had conversations with how do you weigh this? How do you weigh three years of production from Baker Mayfield in the Big 12 versus one year of production from Joe Burrow in the SEC that was just out of this world? So we at least debated Burrow versus Mayfield as the best, uh, say, data-driven prospect at that time. And then Trevor Lawrence was a little different, where the data was very good, but you look at the traits and everything that he did and his uh, how good he was as a true freshman through his junior year, and it's like, well, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, as, you know, as we kept saying, felt like this generational. Uh, best prospect since Andrew Locke, best prospect since whichever favorite prospect you had. And I don't know if we would have said – like, if I had the choice between prospect Joe Burrow and prospect Trevor Lawrence and prospect Baker Mayfield, I still might lean Trevor Lawrence, because not because the data said anything, but because the whole body of work. But yeah, it's I fair mean, to put those guys in the top three and probably in a different echelon for us as prospects. Yeah, a lot of this, like, if you looked at the consensus list, this would obviously be very different. Um, I, I know, like, I was always a little bit lower on Trevor Lawrence's generational status versus other people. Um, so for me, he would be the third of those guys. For other people, I would imagine he would be number one. I mean, if he's being talked about as the best prospect since Andrew Luck, by definition, he's a better prospect than Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield before him, right? Um, but yeah, like that I think is where you're putting, that's the kind of category of how good you're putting Bryce Young is there aren't that many people, even in the last five years, who just had some very good quarterback prospects that you would put above him and 
the only thing keeping him as low as four is the size concerns, which to me are more, it's not like I'm out on that. I can't have a guy that's 5'10", 185 playing for me. It's, I just don't know what that does in the NFL. Like it's, you can't say it's unprecedented because you can find guys like Doug Flutie, but it's hyper rare. And there's very little evidence, particularly like if we keep saying things like, you know, the game in 2007 is different from the game now. Well, the game in the 80s and the 90s is very different. So it is, I guess, unprecedented in terms of what it looks like today. I just, I don't know. So it's at the very minimum, it has to be like a question mark over his game that you don't have for Trevor Lawrence or you don't have for Joe Burrow. So that's the only thing keeping him there. Somebody, uh, where did Tyler put that? Torian, Torian, Torian Whitfield asked where Jalen Hurts was. I was not high on Jalen Hurts at all coming out, so he's lower than all of those guys. I mean, he would be in that category of the Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett's, those guys to me. Yeah, I don't think many people had Jalen Hurts as a first-round player. You know, we I, I remember saying I liked it as a process pick, in part because of the uncertainty at quarterback and the fact that Jalen Hurts had had a productive career and could be a runner and could be a good backup. Like, that's what I saw him as the pick, uh, what that pick was. The Eagles, I think, thought that's what the pick was. And he turned out to be a, a better player than that. I want to discuss Bryce Young and Kyler Murray here in a minute. But first, the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern focuses on advancing your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. So you're putting Bryce Young just ahead of Kyler Murray. A um, couple other questions. Oh, Nico, Nico asks, where the hell is Justin Herbert? Uh, to us, Justin Herbert was below Tua as a prospect, so he's probably the next guy on that list. Um, like, the Justin Herbert thing looks dumb now because he's turned out to be great, but at the time, Justin Herbert was a guy who started off his career at Oregon really good and then kind of went backwards and looked way more of a project than he looked when he played in the NFL. Remember, so if you go back a couple of years – all of a sudden you start to predate the Toolsy guys working out, right? And actually, Toolsy quarterbacks at that time were more of a, ooh, is this really, this is a risk we don't necessarily want to take. And I then call all of a sudden, Walker. Yeah, then all of a sudden the Josh Allens and the Justin Herberts of the world show up and look like superstars, and now, if anything, it's flipped, 180. Now it's like, well, let's grab the Toolsy guys because they've been working out recently. So Herbert was below those, and then somebody else asked about Patrick Mahomes. Well, he's in the draft prior to that so he just, he's not on the list period good we're, we're absolved yeah from having to uh to Explain rank Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes um the other thing is even um so again we're trying to do this from our perspective where we would have ranked them I, even the people that were high on Josh Allen um you were our friend uh, Pete Prisco right he's he has a a player that he pounds the table for every year mm -hmm. we'll say and I think one year it was um it was Christian Hackenberg yeah right? it was and another year it was Josh Allen. Maybe another year it was Justin Herbert. Like there's a – maybe Prisco has a type, and sometimes your type hits. I mean, this is the whole point when you go back through the QB rankings. I did reach out to uh, our friend Chris Sims to see if he wants to come on here yeah. and uh, discuss his quarterback rankings because they're always different, right? And we love having that discussion. And Chris Sims went through a period where it's like he had Allen and he had Lamar and he, had, he just hit, had some hits. 
And then one year he said Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. It's like, all right, I mean, whatever. You know, you just you, – you, you hit some, you miss some. Um, but we're trying to do this from our perspective. Like we would – I had – I thought Josh Allen was a back end of the first round type of player that I would have I taken as a first rounder but looked at the risk. I think I wanted to put Herbert in that same bucket. Um, but if you really rewind a little bit, when we started this YouTube channel right around 2018 – we had there were videos somewhere where we have Justin Herbert as QB one heading into the 2019 right. draft for which he did not declare. Correct. And then into the 2020 draft, by that point, Joe Burrow had surpassed him, and we thought that Tua had surpassed him in part because of the production and again the the tools he guys had um, been a little hit or miss. Josh Allen hadn't even broken out right at that point. It is funny, like if you everybody if you start forensically looking back through everybody's takes on quarterbacks over however many number of years everyone's gonna look like an idiot because nobody's good at this like the league isn't good at this that's why there's still a relatively high bust rate of quarterbacks like nfl people who spend weeks and months pouring over all the information and have way more information than any of us because they talk to them they get the interviews they get those s2 cognitive tests now they get talk to you know to uh, personnel guys to coaches to people that worked at the universities like they have way more information than we do and their strike rate still stinks so everybody's gonna look like a moron like baker mayfield right now saying oh he's the second best prospect we've seen in the last five years that looks terrible because he's not even the second best prospect from his own draft class so all of a sudden lamar is an mvp josh allen looks like a superstar like revisiting just that one looks terrible but Chris Sims is a great example because there was a run where Chris Sims was has a type, I would say. He's into big, toolsy guys with a good arm. And there was a run where those guys all worked out. So if you went back and looked at Sims' quarterback rankings for a few years, they were he nailed it. He was better than basically anybody. But then he stuck with that type, and all of a sudden, the last couple of years, they've worked badly. You know, he had Zach Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence, and it's like, uh, all of a sudden, the, the emperor doesn't has no clothes anymore, you know? They, and... Like anybody is going to look like that. So, I look if you if you want to complain about the ones we missed on, fine. But everyone's going to miss. And, and even at the NFL level, by all reports, the Chargers really wanted Tua, who went one pick ahead of Justin Herbert, right. and then they landed on Herbert, who's you know in there competing with Joe Burrow to be the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So, enough of that explained, I guess. Bryce Young and Kyler Murray. You wanted to put Bryce Young as the best. Or the number four quarterback prospect over the last five years behind Burrow, Mayfield, and Trevor Lawrence and ahead of Kyler Murray. Yes. I would flip those two. Knowing what I what I loved about Kyler Murray at the time, you know, there's going to be the size comparisons and all that stuff. Kyler Murray's cannon for an arm, his ability to get the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. I thought he had a really good feel for the back shoulder game and all that stuff. And I thought the running ability that Kyler Murray added to, you know, was the cherry on top, that Kyler Murray was a better prospect than Bryce Young yeah Kyler has Kyler unquestionably had as better had better physical tools you know he had the running skills which are better he had a bigger arm he brought more to the table physically despite being a, a very short quarterback himself Bryce Young's counter to that is again he might be the best anticipatory thrower I have I can remember coming into the draft like I, I can't think of a guy who was objectively better at throwing with anticipation than Bryce Young is right now and I think that's more translatable to the NFL the other fascinating aspect of this by the way is um, your understanding 
And this is very difficult because we've talked before, this is not a static thing. The league changes, your information changes, your data points change in terms of what works and what doesn't. So what you loved in any given, like you can either go the Chris Sims route and say, I have a type, I stick to this type, this is what works for me. That's who I'm looking for in every given draft. Or you can, and I'm not even saying this is better, but you can sort of go, all right, try and learn from your mistakes or try and learn from what went wrong and what's changing and say, well, okay, we love this. We got too fixated on this part. And now we've learned that actually the more important thing to look at is this, this, and this. And I think there may be a massive danger of overcorrecting there, right? And going, well, to me, the thing that was really important was, you know, play in this, in a, from a clean pocket with no pressure and blah, blah, blah. And now actually it's play outside of structure and tools are important and blah. Like my point being, your rankings might change based off the level of information that you know at any given time. And if you went back in time now and erased your knowledge of the 2018 quarterback class, but knowing what you know now about quarterback play in general, the league in general, the quarterbacks that have worked out generally and went back, would you still have Baker Mayfield number one? Would you have more sympathy for the Josh Allens of the world, more sympathy for the Lamar Jacksons of the world? Would it like change your outlook now Probably. So, like, that's an element of this. I may have had Kyler ranked ahead of Bryce Young if you go back to the time where we were ranking Kyler, but now my information says Bryce Young is better. See, that's where I, um, I, I agree with your sentiments. I'm not, to, to be yeah. clear, I'm not saying, like, what has happened to Kyler in the NFL is dictating Not him, that. right, right, right. I'm but, saying what has happened in the NFL and with quarterback play generally since that point is informing adjustments in those rankings see to me that's why kyler would be a clear four because what's happening in the nfl is teams are uh, embracing running quarterbacks and embracing using them in the design running game and we saw snippets of it from kyler specifically in 2021 where he i think one of those years when he ran for seven or eight hundred yards bryce young can never do that to me that's they're they're probably similar as passers as well bryce young is a, a more polished passer we'll say but Kyler's going to bridge that gap with his rushing ability so I would take Kyler Murray over Bryce Young. And then I think there's probably a healthy debate. By the way, to your whole point, that's why I struggled so much with the 20, 2021 draft class when Mac Jones was in this group, right? And I said, if this was three years ago, we'd be pounding the table for Mac Jones because the grade was good. He had uh, the best – him and Zach Wilson had two of the best grades we'd seen. There was some kind of 2020 – there's no fans in the crowd adjustment that probably needed to be had that helped the offenses. But Matt Jones had this incredible grade in the SEC three years prior. We would have called him a Baker Mayfield level prospect, I think, before. And that was, I think we were coming in through the lens where it's like, ah, tools are secondary. Quarterback tools are secondary right. to accuracy and production. And we probably would have been higher on Matt Jones. That's why I struggled with those rankings in 2021. Yeah, And it turns out, I think things are finally getting to the point where the, the toolsy guys from that class, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, might end up rising back to the top where we'll see what happens with Mac Jones this year. We'll see what happens if Trey Lance ever gets a chance to play. But uh, And then we think Zach Wilson's uh, obviously, obviously struggled. Mm. So that's the other thing, too. I, don't, I, I think we both locked into Zach Wilson as the number two quarterback in that draft. I don't know if we thought he was in this generational type of bucket or whatever you want to call it but would we have had 
Bryce Young, truly over Tua, and over Zach Wilson. Two guys, Tua, we pounded the table for, production, downfield throwing, and the whole thing was good. And Zach Wilson had that one incredible year at BYU. Would we have truly had Bryce Young over those two guys maybe as prospects? I would definitely have had Bryce Young over Tua because I think he's better at everything that Tua is good at. And I think they're vaguely comparable styles. Like, he's he's better across the board. Um, like, Tua's calling card is kind of the same as Bryce Young's calling card, only Young is better at it. So I, I absolutely would have had him over uh, Tua. To me, the the question is more him versus Mac Jones from that offense. Like, again, like Mac Jones' calling card was the – the anticipation throws, the accuracy. Now, he didn't bring the off stru- the outside of structure stuff, the off-platform things, so that probably jumps him ahead. But I also think he's better even than Mike Jones at the anticipation, at the accuracy stuff, at processing. So, yeah, I think he's fairly clearly better than those two quarterbacks from the same uh, offense. And I don't remember notably having Wilson like dramatically higher than the other guys that I can't remember what the hell order I ranked him in. Therefore, I think he probably would have been ahead of Wilson comfortably as well. All right, so I'm happy to settle on some order of Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence at the top. I think, I think for me, I, if I'm being honest, I probably would have said Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, Burrow, 2A, 2B, right, right there. I can't remember where I landed, but I probably would have said Trevor Lawrence, 1, Mayfield and Burrow, 2 and 3. I'd go Kyler as 4, and then Bryce Young as 5. And then again, notice, noticeably missing there is Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. Justin Fields, you know, whoever um, you want to put in there that's, that where you say, hey, you guys missed. Um, we, I mean, 2021, I don't think we ranked, Sam. I think we did a lot of, why is Zach Wilson the definitive number two? Should it be Justin Fields? We did a lot of question asking. And I did a lot of question asking again about Mac Jones. Is, does the Josh Allen development hurt Mac Jones' stock? And... Um, it ended up being right, I think. I think Mac Jones ended up where he should, maybe, middle of the first. But we did a lot of question asking more than uh, definitive, here's what we believe. No, we did. I'm almost certain, though, at some point I did place a final, like, official ranking on the five guys. Um, I just can't remember what on earth it was. So, or I can't find – like, I don't – we definitely didn't do, like, a show where we went, hey, here's our, here's our official quarterback rankings and went through them one after the other but I'm almost certain at some point like I gave an official definitive list of the five I just can't find any evidence of that on the internet anything else you want to you want to add to this uh no I don't think so other than you know I think that illustrates sort of how highly we think of Bryce Young as a prospect and again remember this is what we thought at the time not you know how good these people look right now so this excludes a bunch of quarterbacks that have that were good prospects and and or have become good players. So Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, these guys all fall outside of that top 10. But we're talking about a five-year period. Like that's, you know, it's a lot of quarterbacks have to get squeezed into that. So, uh, you know, that's it. Um, the, the one thing I want to say, I jumped into a Twitter conversation yesterday, uh, Jim Nagy, who we'll uh, have on the show from the Senior Bowl, uh, have him on the show sometime in April. He was talking about if we're talking about QB comps and if half the first round quarterbacks historically bust, then we should be comparing two of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, or Will Levis to busts, or we just, you know, right. leave two of them out of the first round. And I said, well, my response was, more. I, I don't think you need to declare two great, two busts. You just, 
My answer was, could we just think probabilistically and say Anthony Richardson has an X percent chance of becoming Josh Allen and a Y percent chance of becoming Achilles Smith, right? But the, the truth is probably somewhere in between. And I think that's, that's the thing with all of this is we're trying to probabilistically think about hit rate, but also ceiling, right? It's not just getting a, getting a good enough starter. It's getting a guy that's uh, close to transcendent if possible. And, and, you know, your risk appetite, there's so much nuanced stuff that goes into putting a list together, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, one last point, by the way, and it doesn't work as cleanly as this, but just from a, so I, it's in my opinion that Bryce Young is significantly better than Tua and Mac Jones at the things that made them good and is therefore a better quarterback prospect than those two guys at the time, right? Uh, it's also my opinion that C.J. Stroud is a notably worse quarterback prospect than Justin Fields from the same offense. And again, this isn't helmet scouting. This is simply comparing two guys that effectively played in the same system in fairly quick succession. With similar caliber players right. around them. and is yes. therefore a pretty relevant comparison. It's not just saying like, anyway. So if you agree with that, that Justin Fields was better than C.J. Stroud as prospects, and Bryce Young is better than Tua and Mac Jones as prospects. And if you couldn't massively separate Justin Fields and Mac Jones in that draft class, it's very difficult to see a way through to ranking C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young in this draft class. A lot of transitive property here. Would you see what I mean? Yeah. Like if you thought that Mac Jones and Justin Fields was a debate in any way, shape, or form, then by how you rank... Stroud and Bryce Young relative to those guys, you, you can't possibly come up with, a, with a, an outcome saying that Stroud is better than Young. I, yes, that's if you're starting with the point that Justin Fields was a significantly better prospect than C.J. Stroud. And I yes. think, I don't Which think, a lot of people do think that. I think if you just looked at them as passers, I, I, think, I think a lot around the NFL would disagree with that. Well, okay, but you can't just look at them as passers. Um, I'm starting with that. If you just look at them as passers, you could say Stroud is a better and more polished passer than Justin Fields, I mean, but can... Fields has the advantage from an athleticism standpoint, but nobody expected Fields to be the run-first type of quarterback that he's been at this point. No, but a lot of people also expected him to be a lot better as a passer. Like, I don't think the gap between his passing and they, Stroud's passing was that big. Well, we spent 85% of our time, 90% of our time, talking about Fields and his time to throw, and things don't get out quickly enough, and he's got, he's, he takes those, too many I mean, sacks. A lot of that is the same problem with Stroud. Like, it's that offense It's not as a big bad, part though. of it. I don't think it's as bad. No, it may not, not be as bad, but it's a lot of the same questions are there because it's part of the offense. Like, our question was not hey can field speed up his processing it's how much of that is fields and how much of it is that offense where yeah. you just drop back stare down your alpha target and wait till he gets open then hit him with the ball that's the same thing now as it was then sometimes i have no idea what these guys are arguing about yeah me neither we're just having a discussion we're just sitting down having the same discussion you might have with your friends when we're debating this stuff last thing i want to answer in the chat people are like hey you're, you're there to pass as a quarterback completely agree I think you, it is a pass-first league, and you're trying to pass. I want to just reiterate, when I mention rushing ability, it is not only the ability to steal yards on the ground, but it also is the ability to open up the passing game for you. If you go read my uh, Here's How Lamar Jackson Will Succeed in the NFL article back from 2018, I said, here's the path for Lamar Jackson. His accuracy gets mitigated because he creates open throws. RG3 had an incredible rookie season because – the play-action-heavy Washington team 
opened up open throws for RG3. So rushing ability is not like Anthony Richardson will have some of his accuracy mitigated because if he's used as a rushing threat, he'll have more open throws. And it doesn't matter if he puts it right on the helmet or anything like that. He'll probably complete the open throws because he's still an NFL quarterback, accuracy issues or not, right? So that's where rushing ability comes in. That's where C.J. Stroud is a step behind some of the other guys. He doesn't have that added threat to make life easier for him, so he has to win a little bit more from the pocket than some of the other guys. Bryce Young, too, to be honest. All right, man. Good discussion. Put your rankings in the top five. Let us know. Last five quarter, last five uh, drafts. What are your QB rankings? Does Bryce Young even uh, crap your crack your top eight? Crack what did I just eight. say? What did I just say? Hmm. I'll say this: When Caleb Williams comes out next year, got to reshuffle the whole deck. Caleb Williams might be number one, unless he stinks next year, in which case he'll drop all. The he way could the stink Justin next Herbert year. Range. He could, he could stink next year. But yeah. uh, boy, does he look! He looks really good. Yeah, somebody needs to quantify at some point this boost that you get when you look at this thing a year out because it seems like every year and i know it isn't every year but it seems like every year the conversation is oh yeah but look at next year this this guy's gonna be a superstar and then every year some dude who is supposed to be the number one prospect falls off a cliff sam howell justin herbert whatever it is and i've always wondered how much of that is real and how much of it is like if you don't really take a good look at these guys they all look great because this was like Bryce Young was, you know, an unquestioned number one superstar for a while. And then you get into the draft process, which is all about picking guys' games apart. And now it's like, oh, but we can't buy into this size. We, uh, we've got problems here. Like how much of these uh, next year is just we haven't really dove into the guys' game yet. I, I think there's a difference. There's a difference between, say, like somebody mentioned Spencer Rattler in the chat. When yes. we mentioned Spencer, but nobody was saying Spencer Rattler's the GOAT or anything. It's just like, hey, right now it's kind of a weak quarterback class. I don't know who the guy's going to be. It's Spencer Rattler. He's got a lot of things to improve, and he didn't. Uh, and we'll see what happens when we circle back to him. That's different from Trevor Lawrence is coming next year, and right now Caleb Williams and maybe Drake May are coming next year. That's a little different. Even the Sam Howell class and everything, it's like, oh, those are the guys that are going to be first-rounders next year. The Sam Howell class, though, was talked up quite a lot beforehand like a year in advance and then we just decided somehow it wasn't good anymore or in fact none of the rest of them like i do i do think that there's definitely something like a year out everybody looks better because you're not criticizing them at that point you're just enjoying them as college players and the playmakers you're also assuming improvement from no i don't think you are necessarily i think you're just assuming that they are the guys you think they are which is you're you're viewing them with a very different lens and then once you start to actually view them critically you determined that they're not as good as you thought they were. All right. thought that was a good, good, healthy discussion there. Let's go into some uh, – you got some wide receiver fits that you want to see. Yeah. Around the NFL. There's a lot of rumors around the NFL as well. Some rumors swirling about Jerry Judy in particular. Some conflicting reports about teams that are interested Well, there's talk Jerry Judy. effectively that the entire Denver receiving core, except, by the way, the great Tim Patrick. Of course. Haven't seen that one. I but would never trade him. Essentially that the entire Denver receiving core is – available for the right trade offer uh now obviously that's not collectively presumably if you're denver you're trading one of them but maybe all three are available you know what i mean but once you've traded one you're not trading the rest uh so is, is that just sean payton having a type trying to just trying to shake it up does he not think he needs receivers clearly I mean, they're going to try to bring receivers in 
Maybe. Or if you look at what they already have, you know, they've brought in offensive linemen. They appear to be wanting to run the ball more, to take the ball out of Russ's hands more, to, in fact, prevent Russ from cooking. Um, At which point, maybe you don't need so many wide receivers. Maybe you can trade one away, collect something else, you know, build whatever. Russ Russ is allowed to use a Foreman grill only. (laughs) The microwave. Yeah. Russ cooks microwave meals only. Yeah. I will provide you not just with the ingredients. I will actively make the meal vacuum pack it into a little packet and then all you got to do is poke a hole in the top throw it in the microwave press three minutes and then step the hell back frozen tv dinners yes that's all russ is permitted to cook from now on you know russ takes something that needs three minutes to cook he's like i'm gonna go the extra mile make it five (laughs) you know that's what he's gonna do so anyway if we assume that all three of these denver receivers are theoretically available in addition to some other guys i think we can start plugging them in and seeing who should make moves all right. Did we have a graphic for that too? You threw, you you made a few predictions mm. we can uh, that we could tear apart. Not so well, you know, predictions or suggestions. Fits. Yeah, fits. Fits, fits. Like. where I would place these guys. Some of the Jerry Judy rumors recently was that the Browns could be interested. Yeah. Refuted reports back and forth, mm-hmm. and uh, that the Patriots could be interested in Jerry Judy. Yeah. So the Patriots are a team that's getting linked to a lot of people, obviously, because they still need a number one wide receiver. Juju is not going to be that guy for you. This AFC arms race, the AFC East, I mean, before you get anywhere beyond that, it feels like New England needs to make something pretty big happen if they're going to seriously contend with just within that division. And that would seem to suggest you need a wide receiver. And obviously, Brandon Cooks went somewhere else. They didn't get him. So you got to turn to other options. To me, the best New England option is Cortland Sutton. Why is that? Well, people are going to talk about Nuke. People are going to talk about Judy. I think Sutton is the guy that provides the Patriots the best sort of mix of what they're looking for, which is a potential true X wide receiver, a six foot four, 215 pound guy that can run and threaten on the outside, threaten deep down the field. Um, He's a longer term investment than Nuke would be if they went that direction. I think he's also cheaper if you look at his contract. But I think he also specifically threatens ways that Jerry Judy hasn't shown that he can so far in the NFL. So I think Sutton to New England is the best fit of the guys that they could potentially bring in. Do you have T. Higgins on the trading block? Because the Bengals fans are... are I do. So I also put T. Higgins to New England. That will be the other option. Not together, like they're not trading for both of them, obviously. But the two guys that make the most sense for New England are Cortland Sutton and T. Higgins. All right, and just to reiterate, this is this is not necessarily a prediction. It's it's saying the Bengals will have a decision to make. Like I would do, I would do everything I could to keep Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Sure, I would. And I again, I've said this several times. I absolutely believe them when they say they have no intention of trading T. Higgins. But there's a difference between that and actively turning down a trade offer from New England that involves the 14th overall pick in the draft. Yes, and so let's let's pretend. Let's pretend that New England would give up pick 14. Mm-hmm. The I always think about these moves as a balance sheet. So hear me out for a second here, Bengals fans. You have one more year of awesome T. Higgins control, basically. Um, one more year of him on a cheap contract. You can That's valuable, right? That's part of the balance sheet. I can keep T. Higgins, and then I can decide I'm going to re-up him, pay for him, let him walk, get a comp pick in the whole thing. Or the other side of the balance sheet, let's say it's pick 14. It's your choice of a starting edge defender, a starting cornerback, 
at a place that you need, plus the two years down the road, $22 million that you're going to save for T. Higgins. So let's just pretend it's you're choosing between T. Higgins for this year versus, say, let's Christian Gonzalez, starting cornerback potentially, plus two years down the road, re-signing Trey Hendrickson. Or the next defensive – Chase Young becomes available from Washington, and you could pay him instead of Higgins. Now, you might at one point say, just pay Higgins. Steve says receivers are the most valuable commodity. Just pay Higgins, but, the, but you're getting a first-round pick in addition to, say, the next big defensive end player that's available or whatever it is, free agent. Uh, Brian Burns a couple years ago. I'm just I'm throwing names out there that they could pay, I don't know, two years from now. So you throw $20 million at one of those guys, plus you have a first contract, say, starting cornerback like Christian Gonzalez. I'm, those are the things you're weighing versus, man, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase with, with Joe Burrow never let me see them broken yeah, up, like, which, is a fair, which is another fair point. I'm just saying those are the things I think that are on the table that Cincinnati needs to consider. The bottom line is everybody has a price. Everybody and every million dollar man has a price, right? And if, if Can we, we insert a Ted DiBiase laugh here? There you go. A little silence for them to, there be able to put it in. The, uh, the, the, what was the deal for A.J. Brown? It was, what was the pick? 20? Whatever the pick was. But they gave a third rounder as well for A.J. Brown, and then they were the team that made the, the deal. Um, and that was just Tennessee having to think about paying one guy. Not on the horizon is a Joe Burrow market resetting contract and a Jamar Chase market resetting contract. And we just gave up all this year's uh, saved money to invest in Orlando Brown at left tackle. Like, can the Bengals get that done? Sure. Are, like, are they so wedded to getting that done that they're going to turn down a trade offer involving the 14th overall pick and a third rounder or whatever else is involved in that trade? Maybe, but people declaring that that like 100% would not ever happen, I think are crazy because that you would be out of your mind to dismiss out of hand that deal, like just not even take the phone call. If, if New England calls them up and that's the trade offer on the table, that's a very difficult thing to turn down if you're Cincinnati. Uh, by the way, from New England's perspective, I would, I would play that well. I mean, I would do that, play that balance sheet as well. Their, their discussion is let's pretend it's Christian Gonzalez, starting cornerback that would fit in in New England, or Joey Porter, whoever, starting corner, starting tackle, starting whatever for New England on a rookie contract versus – T. Higgins at $23 million a year plus the first-round pick, doing it all day. I don't think he's as good as A.J. Brown. I don't think he has the same impact as A.J. Brown, but I'm still doing it all day if I'm New England because they got no other choice, in my opinion, but to make one of these big moves. And that, by the way, is why I think Sutton might be a better option, though, than T. Higgins because I think it's probably more attainable for them. It probably is. That just feels like it's – Look, I, th- I thought on the surface last year, New England's deal for Devontae Parker, getting him cheap in a, an expensive wide receiver market, it's like it's a good move. But they ended up with just a slew of like, ah, eh, pretty good moves. You know, you got this guy, you got Kendrick Bourne, and you spent a second on Tyquan Thornton, who could be a good deep threat, and you got some okay tight ends or whatever. New England needs big-time playmakers. Not that Sutton can't be that guy, but I think Higgins has a better chance with the injury history and catch radius and everything that Higgins brings to the table Mm -hmm. so so you're saying new england has to make a move in your opinion they're rumored to make a lot of these different moves you like Cortland sutton or t higgins big bodied receivers going to the patriots yeah big body receivers that can win outside and bring something different to that receiving core than they currently have 
and by the way, propel it somewhere different than it can currently get to with the group that they have right now. All right, what else do you have for uh, for good landing spots here for receivers? So the other two receivers from Denver, uh, again, they're not all going to get traded at the same time, but if one of them is the guy that gets traded, Jerry Judy to Minnesota would be Ooh. pretty special. Now, now obviously, could they do got, that? Yeah, why not? Again, like if that costs you their, what, 23 is their pick? We've been mocking them, guys like Jordan Addison. What if instead of Jordan Addison, you get Jerry Judy? Now you've got uh, Justin Jefferson absolutely dominating everywhere. And your compliment, in addition to K.J. Osborne, is one of the best route runners in the NFL, a guy that gets open against man coverage all the time and can work consistently different areas of the field. You can free up Justin Jefferson to win in some other ways. Could you – so you think it maybe pick 23 – from Minnesota, is that worth it? Because the the price for Judy, and I know we, we've seen this compared. You know, New, uh, New Hopkins went for a second. There's a couple mitigating circumstances there. Crazy contract. Plus, Bill O'Brien was the GM at the time, mm-hmm. and you don't always have a Bill O'Brien at GM. True. Um, Justin Jefferson went for pick. Rarely, in fact. Yes, yeah. <laughs> rarely. Justin Jefferson went for what? Eighteen. Pick eighteen. Uh, I'm sorry, Stephon Diggs' trade was for Justin Jefferson at pick 17 or 18 or whatever it was. Right. But Diggs and Hopkins both had big contracts, either currently or pending, right? Stephon Diggs needed to get paid. Nuke Hopkins was getting paid. Is Jerry Judy worth the first? You're going to get one more year of pretty cheap of Judy and then a fifth-year option of a decent price, and then you're going to have to pay him. Um, that's actually similar to what Marquise Brown went for. So I think a, a first-round pick for Judy, I mean, I think I think Judy's better than Marquise Brown, who went for a first last year in a similar spot where he was he had uh, years four and five basically on his first year, uh, his first contract that needed to go. So I think a first-rounder is fine. Judy and Justin Jefferson, I could play that game. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings are already, I mean, they're strapped because of they've had those contracts that they're trying to – deal with and manipulate and everything the Vikings can't do much else as far as big moves they need to if they're going to make any move it's got to be for someone on the cheap and I think Judy could uh could fit the bill there yeah somebody is complaining that you know the Vikings like uh, Justin Jefferson in the slot it, it doesn't make sense they need a guy that can win outside uh, two counterpoints to that number one Jefferson spent 70 percent of his snaps lined up out wide so you're you're talking 30 percent of his time in the slot now even if you say they want to increase that they can increase it 15 percent and it would still only be 45% of his time in the slot. So there's plenty of space for the extra guy they bring in as a complimentary threat to be a slot guy. Number two, Jerry Duty can play outside fine. Like, that's not a limiting factor for him. He has played 700 snaps in his three in the last three years out wide. He's got a good grade playing out wide. He's got footwork speed and route running to win outside. That isn't the problem. So actually, I think it's a perfect compliment in that both guys – can play inside or out and I would stay the way it is which is Judy spends the majority of his time in the slot Jefferson spends the majority of his time out wide but they can cross over and they can flip when they need it to happen yeah I think that I think that works perfectly fine I just love these that everybody's got a price to kick this all off everybody's got a price for the million dollar man what other uh, wide receiver landing spots do you like here so the third Denver receiver KJ Hamler um I love that to Seattle. We talked about how the Seahawks need a slot guy. Yeah. That also 
sticks with what they, you know, Geno's had a, Geno's taken over from Russ as having one of the best deep balls in the NFL. That gives you a slot receiver and it gives you a dude that still maintains the deep threat. You've now got three guys that can go deep in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and KJ Hamler, and it brings a slot receiver and a slot threat to that offense as well. Deep, I deep would love pass, that. Deep pass production is very receiver dependent. That might sound obvious, but remember, Joe, we were asking why Joe Burrow can't hit a deep ball uh, after his rookie season. Right. Right. He was like five for 100 throwing the ball down the field after being pre- you know, precision at LSU, enter Jamar Chase, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, Joe Burrow, he's got the deep ball back. I mean, um, not to take anything away from Burrow or you know the quarterback there, but it is a dependent position uh, or stat or production-based uh, stat. So a lot of words there that didn't make sense. No. The, um, the Geno deep ball, make it, make it better for yep. Geno. So the biggest name that we haven't actually given the landing spot to yet is New Hopkins who I think is a perfect fit for that Carolina offense. We talked about this before. That makes all the freaking sense in the world to me. I don't think the asking price for Nuke is going to be that high because of his age, because of his contract, because of what Brandon Cooks went for. Carolina has the remaining picks to make a deal like that happen, and it's the perfect marriage of short to medium-term addition, helping whoever the hell you draft at number one or at your top pick, actually survive keep his head above water because of the miserable weaponry that they currently have which we joked about on the podcast the other day adding new to that group immediately makes that a pretty good offense like you know if you're not going well adam thielen is our number one that's bad if adam thielen is your number two or three and new Hopkins is your number one and all of a sudden everybody else like the complexion that you're looking at those weapons as complementary pieces is very different to how you look at it when that's all you have. Yeah, we broke down. We broke this down all uh, the other day, right? Again, nothing. Th- nothing gets me more excited than moving everybody down a notch on the receiver depth chart. Move them all down. Nuke one, Thielen two, Chenault's your gimmick guy. Terrace Marshall can still be this year three, right? Breakout player. All that stuff is in play. But give Hopkins. Let Hopkins be that guy that helps. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever it ends up being. They also have the money for it, by the way, which is not true for some other teams. No, I could buy that. Um, I want to discuss, because the rumor was was Jerry Judy going to the Browns, potentially. Mm. And again, I just try not to keep up with the rumors. It just came up and, and consider all this stuff, because why not? Right now they have Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, um, and a few other guys. Anthony Schwartz, Jakeem Grant, like gimmicky type of guys. Man, I would love this, though. If you're the Browns, Amari Cooper as your one, Jerry Judy, 1A, 1B, right? Get the Bama connection there. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones gets to be your three, right? Again, it's not even a knock on Donovan Peoples-Jones. Can he be a good, solid number two wide receiver who's had a pretty good career so far? Big body, downfield threat? Yeah. Make him my three. Make him your third option. You also have David Njoku back at tight end. Jordan Akins, who they just brought in. I would love that. And then, uh, you know, the goal is so that you you have to maximize what Deshaun Watson can do. Even if he has regressed a little bit, you make life a little bit easier for him with more guys that can get open. So I'm all in. If the Browns want to do it, they just don't have the first-round pick to, uh, you know, to maybe do it this year or this year's first-rounder. So maybe it's something future-centric for the uh, Broncos. The, uh, the last move that I had as a suggested landing spot was um, Brandon Ayuk, which, again, not on the trade block, theoretically, but 
is the kind of move I think you could test. You know, if you're San Francisco, if you're a team looking to get a wide receiver, I think you should be testing San Francisco's resolve for a guy like Brandon Ayuk because of how many guys they're going to have to pay at some point. You know, they just invested a ton in that defensive line. Christian McCaffrey has been traded for George Kittle. Like they've got a lot of expensive pieces, even with two quarterbacks on rookie contracts. You know what I mean? So if, again, if you're a team that calls up and says, hey, we have a first round pick or, you know, whatever. Now, first round pick is probably not the move here, given the team I'm talking about. But my point being, they might not have any intention of trading Brandon Ayuk, but that doesn't mean they would turn down the right offer. Indianapolis. Indy, Brandon yeah. Ayuk. Man, I mean, if, if you just, if we had the ability to do some research here, and <laughs> I mean, if just like if you could quickly search Steve Colts receivers, mm. time period, last four years. Right. All I've been saying is please just get more receivers. Maybe. Chris uh, Ballard, you did a great offensive line's in good shape. You've done some good stuff. The roster's solid, but please get some receivers. Not Carson Wentz doesn't have a shot without receivers. Phillip Rivers didn't have a shot without better receivers. Matt Ryan has no shot without better receivers and an offensive line that fell apart. I love it for the Colts. And the Ayuk thing, it's it's similar, similar to T. Higgins, right? Because uh, 2020, I mean, Ayuk has two more years. It's similar to Jerry Judy, really. Should he should Ayuk be on the trading block? No. I mean, the the Niners, the Niners can make it work probably over the next two years. But I would also make the phone call just in case, just yeah. in case. It's all like, so all of these things, all of these trade moves require both teams to buy into it. That's why trades don't actually happen that often. But just because a team says, we're not trading this guy, or we would rather have him on the roster, does not mean that they're going to turn down the right offer coming along. Again, everybody has a price. And there's some teams out there that could be or should be pretty desperate for wide receivers. We have live updates from Ohio State's Pro Day. Yeah. James Palmer, former Buckeye. CJ Stroud, six foot three on the nose, 213 pounds. Didn't we already know that? Didn't you work out or measure rather like a week ago? Yeah, but I just, I saw it, so I wanted to read it. Okay. It meant, oh, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Right. Well, certainly the size means very, very. Five little. inches taller than Bryce Young. Yeah. Which is obvious when they were standing next to each other, literally next to each other in the RCA dome. Like a couple of weeks ago, we saw this. Some guys stretch it out before pro day. They get the hand size increases, get a little taller. I was, Bryce uh, Young's taller by now. I thought maybe the answer to your research problem would be to ask Chat GPT or G. What is it called? Chat GPT. Yeah. Uh, for you know, can I have a summation of your takes on the Indianapolis Colts wide receivers over the last three years? Uh, unfortunately, as an AI language model, I do not have the capacity to listen to podcasts, nor <laughs> do I have access to every single podcast episode ever recorded. That's a, quite a, you know, shut up, bitch. However, I can provide you with some general information about Steve Palazzolo's analysis of the Indianapolis Colts wide receivers based on the data available to me. Uh, Steve is an analyst at PFF, blah, 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 blah. No, and then he just goes into websites. Uh, based on the website, here are some general observations about Palazzolo's analysis. In 2020, you ranked Colts wide receiver core 15th in the NFL. That seems too high. He noted that T.Y. Hilton had a down year, but praised the emergence of rookie wide receiver Michael, Michael Pittman, Pittman Jr. Yeah. as a reliable target for Phillip Rivers. In 2019, you ranked him 19th overall, noting that T.Y. Hilton was still a dangerous weapon despite battling injuries. 
Oh man, this is like and we're going further back. This we can not, really get into our track records here and everything. Maybe that's where I can find out where I rank the quarterbacks. Somebody actually convinced, so they see what they think of me as a baseball prospect. Uh, in a moment, somebody asked ChatGPT for my rankings of those quarterbacks because I, I posted on Twitter asking, could anybody find evidence of it? They were uh, the chat thing was unable to find it. They then convinced it to generate an arbitrary ranking attached to my name, and tweeted it back at me. What was it? Was it good? Uh, I mean, it was, it was an arbitrary ranking of the names. Like, what, what more do you want? Anyway. Yeah, Ayuk to uh, Indy, I'd be, uh, I would be good with that. Do you have anything else receiver-wise? No, that was we my do, list. Do a quick animal draft, animal yeah. draft questions, and then uh, out of here. So I got to get to uh, drop my wife off, the, off of the airport. Oh, wow. Leaving you, me. You're, uh... She's leaving me. You're sufficiently old that it doesn't have any information about your baseball career. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all over the internet. No. You can't go back to uh, 06 when uh, my buddy wrote this big uh, article about me being a prospect. Steve Palazzolo is not a known baseball player or prospect. I mean, that's not, it's not wrong. <laughs> Keith Law had me on the Rule 5 watch list back in 09. Rule 5 watch list, man. Never know. I didn't get Rule 5. Yeah. What does that mean? What did you think? Yeah, I'm, not gonna expl- I'm not explaining the Rule 5 draft here. Um, did you see Mike Trout and Shohei last night? Yes. Pretty epic, wasn't it? Sure. Otani's incredible. He won, right? Japan both, won. Both individually and as a team. Otani struck him out to win the game. Pretty epic moment in baseball history. Am I, did I read that thing correctly? There was six pitches or whatever, right? Like ball, strike, but whatever. Yeah. Trout got nothing? Just stood there and watched every one of these pitches? No, he swung and missed twice. Okay. So he, he stood and watched four of them and took a shot at two of them and missed. Yeah. That sounds pretty crappy. I mean, that's pretty common. You don't swing at balls. That's actually good baseballing, not swinging at balls. Okay. And then when the ball's in the strike zone, yeah, you, ideally you want to hit it. Yeah. And he didn't. But he, like, never Three swings times, and misses. apparently. Yeah, I think he took one and he swung and missed once or twice. But he never, never swings and misses. That was, yet, that's what's incredible. And, and Otani got a little jacked up. It's two and two. He throws 102 in the dirt. You know, who hasn't? Sure. Humped but, up, I mean, when, pump up to 102. When I got loose with the pitching, it tended to go high, not, not, not low. Yeah. Just one of many differences between me and Otani, I would suspect. All right, let's, uh, let's crank out some animal draft here. Yes. I've got to find that email. Where is it? Do we have a graphic for this, too? I would hope so. I, I requested two separate graphics uh, based off the many, many animals that were in this email, uh, and hopefully they will appear. So, again, a year ago, we apparently did some whole topic about where you would play certain animals or draft them based off their, uh, you know, their abilities. We even went through like mathematics in terms of calculating their 40, all this kind of stuff. This guy has done this for us with all these uh, animals. He's, in fact, drafted a team filling all 22 positions with animals. Below are 59 options, most of which have a scouting report. Now, I have not checked his math or, in fact, information on any of this, right? So for all I know, it's, perfect. it's made nobody, up. Nobody does it's that complete anymore. horseshit, pun intended. Who the hell knows? Uh, New media is just saying whatever you want with uh, right. no facts anyway. So I'm just going to work on the basis that this is all true. Uh, what was our first graphic? The first one I had was a gazelle, which... Uh, the scouting report for that three foot five, which is shorter than I would have anticipated a gazelle being. 
Um, and you keep trashing Bryce Young, but you're over here in on the gazelle. I didn't say I was in on it. I'm simply saying this oh. is one of the suggestions. Three foot five, so undersized, 160 pounds. But, however, it does have a 1.36 second 40 time, apparently. Yeah. Can't do any bench press, so we're, we're, we're quite lightweight here. But that's, the 40 that's some serious speed bringing to the table. So do you put this? You put the gazelle on the slot, nice vertical slot receiver. I mean, it's KJ Hamler, right? It's KJ That's Hamler. What we're talking about? Yeah, the gazelle. No Three foot five. No play know, strength. Five foot six. Same thing. Um, Hands like KJ Hamler, maybe. maybe. Maybe might have some drops. Yeah. Is there value in getting behind the defense? Maybe a little gravity. You're going to draw the safeties, even if we don't throw to you. Gazelle. I mean, look, you can't leave him uncovered, can you? Just in case he catches. Right. It. I mean, you're yeah. going to leave him uncovered because apparently he's got a 1.36 second 40 time. But this is what the Bills might be getting be getting in Deontay Hardy. Well, this is like Bob Hayes. You know, Bullet Bob Hayes, who was arguably the greatest sprinter of all time back when he was sprinting, then transitioned to the NFL and effectively forced them to invent zone coverage because nobody could cover him one-on-one. So the NFL is going to have to invent new coverages to try and contain the 1.36 second 40 gazelle is my point. Yeah. That's uh... So that's the gazelle. What was the second one we had up there? It was a polar bear. I would draft it. a gazelle every year. Where's my, uh, where's my polar bear suggestion here? So the polar bear apparently is nine foot tall. That's on its hind legs. This not, is the same guy from last year. We definitely talked about polar polar know. bears in pass pro. Look at that. But that's Look at that that's form. in that stance. That's on the hind legs, not at the shoulder, right? So nine foot tall, yeah. seventeen hundred pounds. I would teach. I would want him playing on his hind legs, obviously. So the polar bear is effectively he outweighs an entire offensive line by himself. Yeah. Uh, Three point two seven second forty times. So the dude's got wheels. Yeah, so we can play in a zone or gap scheme here. Right. One of the things when you go through this list of fifty nine apparently animals is quite how crappily slow human beings are. Because all of them, no matter how fat or how much weight behind them, can outrun you. It's because we stole all the brain power and, you know, consciousness. Right. And like all a hippo. Stuff. Hippo yeah. weighs 4,000 pounds, and it would smoke you in a 40-yard dash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're so survivors, anyway, though, you the, the polar bear, 3.27 seg, and one swipe kill power. Like, you could take out the entire offensive line, just... Whoosh, Five of them. So where are we playing the polar bear? Because I, I was thinking, oh, line. he looked like a tackle. No. But now I'm thinking he's got to play defensive end. Yeah, no, defensive tackle. Defensive I want him in tackle. the middle. middle. In the middle, immediate, straight up the gap, straight up the a gaps. Swipe anything to the he side. Could, he could play on all fours, low pads, and then get up tall. Bad passes. Yes, JJ Watt style. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's <laughs> he's either JJ Watt is probably the closest thing yes, to a polar bear. He's either shooting the gap and playing into the backfield, or if yeah. he's not going to get there on the occasion that that happens, he gets right up in the air, nine foot tall, just swats those things out of this the sky. This is why you can't draft Bryce Young. How's he going to throw over the polar bear? Never, never going to throw over the polar bear. That's good. I would draft a polar bear every year, uh-huh. along with the I, gazelle. I was uh, scrolling through TikTok last night, as I am wont to do on occasion, and there was a video. Like the kids. Yeah, there was a video that was asking how many or what could a what could a gorilla bench press, right? And I don't know where again. Who knows where they're getting this information from? But based off some calculation over the strength of a gorilla, it was effectively saying that a gorilla could bench press something like sixty eight hundred pounds. That's that would be quite a good. I'm like I don't know how many reps that translates to at the combine at two twenty five, but probably quite a lot. Yeah, it's probably a lot. I don't know what kind of endurance does the gorilla have. I don't know. I don't know how that calculation works, like one rep match max versus endurance over 225. But if you can bench press almost 7,000 pounds, you can probably rep out 225 quite a lot of times. All right, wrap it up here. 
What else I, do you have? I'm really so one of them was a, a peregrine falcon. You know what those are? Little like the fastest bird in the world, I think. What do they do? So they they hover, right? Like dead still. If you ever see a video of them, their head moves like this constantly, but the rest of them is like completely still in the air, hovering like a hundred feet in the air or whatever. And then they lock onto whatever little vole or rat that they're targeting. Safety. And then like that's a transform safety. into some sort of fighter jet and just bomb down towards this thing and then shank it out of the, the, the ground. That's Earl Thomas. That's Earl Thomas. So sitting in center field, man. I mean, if you thought the gazelle was undersized, right? Peregrine Falcon, three point three pounds. Yeah, uh, you could probably get that up by pro day. It does, however, have a forty time of 0.3 seconds. <laughs> yeah. What's the acceleration? What's his ten? It doesn't have it, but he's he's listed here: blazing straight line speed that can take the top off any defense, but lacks the ability to stop and start quickly. So the ten might not be great. A little undersized, so will never be a true number one wide receiver. Okay, so if you're putting a receiver, that's uh, Trendon Holiday, right? Okay, Trendon Holiday, former track star who was five foot six. This, by the way, all of this was from Brad Mossing, is the guy with the email. Appreciate it, Brad. But there are genuinely fifty nine animal options here. Apparently. I just love that we have uh, multiple listeners who have gone into great depth over the years, not only to give us the animals to draft, but um, we did have a listener a couple years ago create the periodic table of quarterbacks, yes. I believe it was. Yeah, right? yeah. We've, we've had a lot of... That was outstanding. We used to ask for a lot of these uh, deep research items. There, is there a single animal on this list that like, even a fast human can outrun? Yeah, if, I mean, if you're looking to add speed in the draft this year, look to animals. Oh, you can outrun a, a green anaconda, apparently. Even you can outrun that. That's an eight I mean, second. I would because I don't want that thing touching me. <laughs> That's an eight-second 40. Even you could take that. Yeah, I can. Yeah. You're, crocodile I mean, you're apparently is a four-five-five kind of guy. The crocodile? Yeah. Those things are fast. You can't. Oh, yeah, so they're going to track down most humans. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. If you're, ever, if you're ever in a situation where you have to outrun a crocodile, that's why they tell you to zigzag. Zigzag. The, right. yeah. the thing's going to outrun you in a straight line. Run a three-cone. Unless away from the... you're a guy faster than four-four-four-five-five, five, which... I know for a fact I'm no longer, and you aren't. I'm pretty sure I've never been four five five. No, neither have I. Actually, I was a high four six, low four. Maybe seven in the thirty kind of person. In but the thirty, perhaps. I'm definitely not now on the basis that I'm five three, whatever it was. But well, that's this is fun. Do you get anything else animal wise? Uh, a okay. Here's one for you. Uh, a kangaroo, 150 pounds. Yeah. What? A 1.9 40-yard dash? That can't be right. It's one leap. No, it's not. A frisky competitor, if a little undersized. Massive lower half gives him more power than you'd expect. How's the kangaroo undersized? Hang on. Well, here's the thing. So there's two different types of kangaroo. Tyler, Google like jacked kangaroo and get one of those pictures. There's two different types. There's like the small little bouncy ones. But then there's these ones that look like the Hulk who are like jacked jacked to the gills that not only would be bigger than you they're definitely bigger than 150 pounds and they would mess you up because they've got multiple you know they can they've got the punches they got the tails look at that thing look oh yeah the, the jacked kangaroo <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> that thing's not fake. 150 pounds they look fake yeah that that's not 150 pounds that kangaroo no i said get him in the octagon like that kangaroo is way bigger than i am and i'm 180 that is david boston David Boston. David Boston cop yes. here for the, uh, for the for the jacked kangaroo. Right. 
Does anybody get any of these references? Trinden Holiday. Like, Trinden Holiday is like beyond people's time here. Look him up. What do you have? Two kick return touchdowns in the game where uh, right. the Flacco come back in overtime against the Broncos uh-huh. in the playoffs? The Flacco playoff run? Look up Trinden Holiday. Awesome. I'm kind of out of uh, I'm out of animals that I think would be funny. The uh, the podcast. So yeah, somebody uh, somebody quoted my polar bears a gap or zone scheme type of guy here. So yeah, good stuff here, man. We definitely good show need today. somebody creating like uh, you know those inspirational quote graphics based off crazy stuff you say. <laughs> I do say a lot of crazy stuff. Um, who did the chat GPT on you and I? Talking oh to yeah, each other? dude, that was insane. What was that guy's name? I need to find... I'm not reading the whole thing out because that was crazy. No, no. That'd be bad Somebody called Nick Nielsen... Nick Nielsen Bean uh, asked ChatGPT... What was the thing he said? Okay. Because he was bored, he asked ChatGPT to write a podcast review of St. Patrick's Day in the style of you and I with various tortured rugby and baseball analogies. And it is frighteningly close to what would actually happen if we attempted to do that. Grand slam of an attempt here. Yeah, like that I, type of thing. Despite apparently not being able to read or listen to podcasts, ChatGPT fairly well nailed it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, there were some good quotes in there. ChatGPT, pretty fun, I guess. All right, man. What do we have the rest of the week? Uh, two more shows, the topics of which are very much to be determined. We're doing some draft <laughs> needs with. Uh, I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to take tomorrow off. Oh yeah, that was the plan, the right? Draft yeah, Trevor's going to come in. We'll do some uh, draft needs post free agency. We'll talk to Trevor about that, and then uh, hopefully Renner will be here again on Friday. Sounds yes. good. We've got some fun draft interviews coming up. If there, if there are any high impact, big time draft analysts that you want us to have a a good long form discussion with, let us know. We've got some got some feelers out, but I do think we'll have Jim Nagy. We'll have Dane Brugler in the month of April coming up and. Uh, Trying to lock some of those things in. Mm-hmm. So, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow with more PFF NFL podcast show.